Hey, good morning, good afternoon or good evening, depending on when you're watching this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes, it's me again here with you on Sunday. It's Alex Williams-Smith, better known to many of you as Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosis. And this week, I have got a lady on the show who uh, many of you may have already heard about. You may have seen her speaking at one of the many hypnotherapy uh, conferences around the world. Or you may indeed have read one of her books, such as No More Diets or the Virtual Gastric Band Workbook, both available on Amazon and all major bookstores. She got the recently got uh, in 2019 the Hypnotist of the Year Award from the International Association of Counselors and Therapists. That's a mouthful when you've not had much coffee in the morning. She doesn't so much call herself a hypnotherapist, although she is. She uh, terms herself a lifestyle engineer. We'll find out more about that in a minute. But she's most famously known within the industry for her work uh, in pioneering the hypnotic gastric band. So please welcome to the show, Sheila Granger. Hello. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> you too. How are you doing? Um, so look, yeah, you, you are mainly known for, I know you do do a whole bunch of other stuff, but you are mainly known for the hypnotic gastric band stuff. Mm. Can you tell the viewers, because there must have been a time in your life when you were involved in hypnosis or anything like that. Just give them a little bit of your background about how you ended up getting into this crazy industry. Yeah, I mean, like most, I think like most of us, none of us were at school, were we, thinking, do you know, when I grow up, I think I want to be a hypnotist. I think that's what, I, I think I wanted to be a journalist at one point, actually. Um, <laughs> but what I, I, <laughs> what I ended up doing was I um, I worked for the government, for the Social Security Office, oh. pensions, and I worked for them for 20 years as a fraud investigator. And I investigated people who weren't quite as disabled as they claimed to be. Um, and, and my job was to um, investigate them, you know, go out with my secret squirrel camera, get the evidence and uh, present it to them and take them to court. You know, uh -huh. get money back. And it sounds really negative. But um, on some level, I think, you know, I was probably using hypnosis then anyway. I just didn't realise it. You know, I think a lot of the time, you know, um, you know, the, uh, we, we're using hypnosis all the time. Aren't we? We're just not aware that that's what it is. And um, in that case, uh, in, when I was doing that job, um, you know, I used to go around to somebody's house unannounced with an allegation. And I used to come away. And they used to say, thanks ever so much, love, for coming to see us. Yeah, thanks ever so much for coming to see us. Um, if you ever pass in and you want a cup of tea, you know, you don't hesitate. You come and see us. And I used to think, do they not understand that? Like, I'm going to prosecute them, you know. Um, whereas somebody else used to go and they used to sort of be highly, um, you know, aggressive, um, you know, um, you know, other staff were assaulted when they were going with allegations. And really, it was about how I was speaking to that person, what that rapport was. Ultimately, I was just building massive rapport. And so it became very difficult for them to say to me, you know, we're not going to admit it or, you know, we're, we're going to um, uh, be horrible to you. You know, so so I think I was probably using it on some level. But I'd had an interest in how it is that people think, you know, what is it that makes people tick? And at the same time, I was also a magistrate for a period All of time. Right. Yeah. Brilliant for people watching. And that also made you think, you know, how do people end up in this situation? What experience in the life has then led them 
to make that decision to do whatever it is they've done. You know, we all have the choices, don't we? And, and at what point has that changed or, you know. So then I saw a hypnotherapy training course. And I thought, well, that might be interesting. And I was a bit of a, a serial course goer, a bit of a librarian. I liked going on courses. I liked learning stuff, you know. And most stuff that I did absolutely nothing with at all. But I liked going and learning it. What's the most bonkers course you ever did then that you've done nothing with? I don't uh, I mean, even some of the, you know, like the tarot kind of stuff. Or I remember my parents, you know, when I first started up in hypnosis and I wanted to build it as a business and I, I still worked for the job centre at the time. And my parents saying to me, you know, what are you wasting your time with this mumbo jumbo stuff for when you've got this good job? What are you doing that for? Um, and it's true isn't it when we start off in this profession it's often not our family and friends who are necessarily our best support or our best advocate this is thing what are you doing you know um so i um yeah so I'd, I'd, i went on this course i never intended to do anything with it at the same time i was getting a divorce and I th- and there was only me and my daughter at home um, only me to pay the bills and I thought, well, you know, if I saw a couple of people a week and I charge 50 quid a session, well, it's a bit of extra pocket money. But then I think like all of us, you know, you notice the difference you make to somebody's life. And when somebody says, you know, you changed my life, I say, like, have I? Oh, I, well, I want to do more of that, you know. Um, and then you also even start to well, I think, oh, maybe this shit works then. Maybe this shit actually works. Because I think we all sometimes have that self that that little bit of self doubt when we start off was well but has it worked really you know when you start seeing clients or you know they say oh this change has happened has it really or you know is it going to stay there is it going to stick mm-hmm. um, but that drive you know sort of takes over for you to do more and more and more of it um, and that's really sort of what happened with me you know I'd, I'd only been qualified a week and I think it takes you know, some people call it bravery, some people call it stupidity, um, but it's taking that leap of faith, isn't it, in that I'd been qualified a week. I wasn't somebody who'd done a load of practice. I wasn't a great student. Um, and um, I saw a plea for help in my local newspaper. And it was a lady who had hiccuped for five and a half years continuously. Okay. And so I thought, oh, I might ring that newspaper up. And so I rang the newspaper up and said, um, oh, I'm, a, I'm a hypnotherapist because I got a certificate that says I am. So, I'm <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, so I've got this certificate. So I, I'm a hypnotherapist and um, I, I think I might be able to help that lady. So I'd like to offer a complimentary session. If she'd like to take me up on it, just tell her to ring my number. It will be arranged. Mm-hmm. The following day, and, and I frantically, the following day, they rang up and they said, um, oh, this this lady, we're going to bring you to see you. And we're going to bring her and film it for our website, if that's all right. And it's like, oh, no pressure there, then. And this is within a week of having yes. got your certificate? Yes. Excellent. That's ballsy. Go on. Within a week. And so when they said they were bringing it to see me, I thought, well, that's all right. I just need to find a script. I just need to look in one of these. Text- <laughs> I need to look in one of these textbooks where there must be a script on hiccuping. There was nothing. There was nothing. You know, I, I was online. You know, well, we didn't do as much online then, but there was nothing. I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, they're, they're coming. They've got the cameras. What am I going to do? I thought, well, it's all right. I'll find out more about the lady when she comes. She was really quiet. 
I didn't, mm-hmm. all I got out of her was she was getting a divorce. Um, she um, worked as a cleaner. She she mopped floors in a bingo place. That was mm-hmm. a, that was her job. But she was really, really quiet. So when you look at, you know, oh, you know, I'll pick up on people's language patterns and jump into their world. That's all I had to go on, on literally, bingo hall, mop it, cleaner, um, getting divorced. That, that's all I had, nothing else at all. Okay, that doesn't sound like much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So really nothing to go on at all. And the newspapers are there, the cameras are rolling. Um, I'm starting my hypnotic induction thinking, is an angel going to appear in this room? <laughs> what to say to this lady? Because at the moment, you know, I have absolutely no idea and I'm already on six, you know. <laughs> so I just thought, okay, just just go with what you know then. Just go with what you know. And I literally, I thought, just keep it simple. So I just said, I want you to imagine what the inside of your throat looks like. You know, maybe it needs to be ever clean. Yeah. Maybe it needs cleaning. Um, you know, I'm going to go quiet, but, you know, clean it all up. When you've done that, nod your head to on her. Have it looking how it should look. Um, nodded her head. Um, got to imagine, you know, a messy room, put stuff in boxes for the past, the future, the now. She stopped hiccuping. And, you know, mm-hmm. she, she hasn't hiccuped since. And so the following day, newspaper write a full page article how I was this some kind of change expert you know um and the phone rings off the hook you know because if i can help that lady do that i'm sure i can help with daddy daddy da yeah. so uh, but it's just been you know i i think and somebody once said a phrase to me which rings true all the time is that there can only be one hypnotist in the room and with that lady was you know very clearly you know, she allowed me to be the hypnotist in the room. She had a belief that maybe this was something that was going to help her. And mm-hmm. she did have the resources to fix herself. She just didn't know how to view it from the way that she views the world. So, you know, I just it's putting those things together that seem to be the, the magic ingredient. Let me throw, and I'm not taking away from your achievement because that is absolutely ballsy to do that straight mm. off and hats off to you. And it just proves that the only real thing standing in the way of most people being where they are thinking, oh, I need more clients, whether they've just started or the years into it, and actually, you know, getting somewhere closer to where they want to be is quite often taking action and just having the, excuse the phrase, but having the balls to do something that out of the comfort zone yeah so hats off to you but this is aimed at people in our industry and i'm known as being a bit different in my views mm. so do you think that maybe the reason obviously what you did she attached importance to it and it worked that's all that matters ultimately whatever happens from this moment in this conversation that's all that matters you got the result excellent yeah but do you think that perhaps it was a case of, because I, I genuinely believe a lot of people that come to therapists, they come um, and they've already reached a point where deep down they know it's time to stop whatever it is or it's time to start doing something they weren't doing. But they also know deep down, maybe it's just unconsciously, but 
like the little niggle in the back that if they suddenly stopped doing what they were doing, so they suddenly stopped smoking, people are going to go, why didn't you do it sooner? If it was that easy, why didn't you do it sooner? And that's what often causes relapse when people go, yeah. But if they go and see a therapist like your good self, mm. they can leave and make those changes that they always could have done themselves but they've got like a security blanket where they can't be blamed for not having done it sooner because they can say, well, I tried, but it wasn't that simple. Thank God I saw this expert who helped me. And it gives them permission to offload that self-blame, shame, guilt and regret for not having done it sooner. Do you think that combined with the fact that people don't often feel special mm. and having a problem can bring them attention? Well, here was an opportunity to get publicized in the local newspaper special i'm still special yes absolutely absolutely yeah. i agree i agree with you entirely in everything that you said and you know that um that being special thing is is something that often you know i, I went to um do some work with a uh, or potentially do some work with a celebrity mm-hmm. and this particular uh, celebrity was famous for um have carried i think it was something like 150 operations for cosmetic surgery she was personally addicted to cosmetic surgery now and her whole identity and persona was around being that person yeah she made a lot of money on the back of that that made her very special um she had this television program on it she'd been to celebrity whatever camp in america about it Right, okay, we can't say the name, but can everyone pretty much will know if they take those bits of information, yeah. Yeah, now, I I remember going and seeing her, and again, I haven't been qualified that long, to be honest with you, but I remember going and visiting her at her home in um, London, and, you know, she wanted to do some work with me with this, but she she also, you know, you would have thought, oh, well, it's a great opportunity, she also wanted me as part of this Sky television programme that was going out. And so on one level, I'm thinking, well, this is a fantastic opportunity. Yes, it would be great. But when I sat back and thought about it, you know, it was going to actually be really difficult for me to give her a good enough reason to not do it anymore. Because Uh how was I going to replace that identity that she got or help her find it? Because it was going to be about helping her find a new identity that was still going to make her be special, which was still going to make her a lot of money. Mm. you know there was going to be all those hurdles to get over and the, the how she was at the time I didn't feel there was going to be a good enough benefit to doing any of this yeah and so I actually pulled back from doing it and and I also thought you know that she gave me the impression that you know she was probably a fairly um, a little bit fickle as well in that you know you could like I'm four hours from London in the car and you know you can imagine you've got an appointment to go every Monday morning at nine o'clock and you get all the way down there and then like oh yeah sorry I can't do it today you know so you just wait out your whole day because you know (laughs) so I thought I'm not going to get into that and 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 I I would have loved to have um, done the work with her because yeah of course there was things that we could have done but you know she wasn't wanting to look at any other way apart from well I'll just stop doing it well, are we going to earn any money then? And who are you going to be as a person? What's your identity going to be? Um, because what I think whatever habit or a lot of our habits, behaviours, 
you know, they come from a place of it becomes our identity, doesn't it? It's who we are as a person and, and how are we going to change that? You know, I've, um, you know, my, I was adopted when I was six weeks old and I traced my birth oh, 15 years ago, something like that. And, you know, it's a success story, got on really well. Um, but she had complete renal failure uh, about five years ago. And dialysis has become who she is as a person now. Oh, you know, because it's almost like dialysis has become a job. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, all she talks about, you know, I am now a specialist, to be honest with you, in dialysis and needles and fluid and, you know, because I've heard it all so much um, because it's who she is. And, and you know, if she doesn't have that, who is she as a person? Mm. So I think there's a whole, whole host of things that come into the work that we do and um you know what what we can do to help somebody i think what you've just been saying law is monumentally without doubt the vast majority if not pretty much all the time mm-hmm. the key bloody to the problem but also the key to success in so much as will they well i mean the fancy term is how many secondary gains have they got is you know what they're going to lose out on are they getting attention from the current behaviors mm. habits thoughts or whatever and i think that is a massive part of what we do without a doubt mm. um even when it seems completely illogical because you know i mean y- you must have seen it with people who are, are, are massively overweight mm. Mm. will consciously say they want to lose weight but by the same token, quite often they've got that way because it's getting them attention. Yeah, and and some yeah, and sometimes the other way in that if they lose the weight, they will get attention and they don't want the attention. So I remember working with a lady. She was actually probably one of my first gastric band clients um, who lost a lot, you know, so mm-hmm. 140 pounds, like 10 stone or something. And I remember saying to her one day after the session, um, if it was like a reinforcement session, she, um, I became a little bit of a comfort blanket to her, really. Um, and so she used to come periodically just to get things reinforced. Not that she actually needed to, because she was doing all the new things, but mm-hmm. she felt it kept her on track. And um, I remember saying to her, you know, if you were honest, do you feel happier now? that you've lost 10 stone or did you feel happier how you were before and she said if I'm honest she said in a way I felt happier before because I wasn't exposed then Mm. you know I could walk into a room and nobody would take any notice of me at all whereas now I feel like people are noticing me I feel and that's the word that she used was exposed so when people have got a lot of weight to lose, there are all those... you then probably worked on confidence and... Exactly, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's not as simple as, you know, somebody's got a lot of weight to lose. It's not as simple as, well, OK, eat less and exercise more, is it? We've got other elements of that that we've got mm-hmm. to address. You know, with it's funny because I've just... This morning, just before our call, I gave a, just gave an interview to um, a New Zealand journalist. They're doing a big oh. article on gastric band hypnosis. It's really big in New Zealand at the moment, and the media seem to be on it all the time. And, um, you know, I, I was sort of saying to him, you know, it's not 
you know, people have this perception, okay, well, we're just going to imagine surgery and that's going to solve everybody's issues and they're going to get thin and we don't have to do anything else at all. And that is not the reality of it. You know, the reality of it is that is one element that can be put in place, but we've got to work on the other stuff as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, because otherwise, I mean, don't get me wrong, that lady um, who lost the 10 stone, she was a, a great client for Gastric Band. You know, she was somebody who was like highly suggestible, mm-hmm. you know, and if we were just to imagine surgery and do nothing else, it's a bit like the stage hypnotist who's got, you know, a few people performing at the end of the show because they've got the most suggestible people up there, etc. And but unfortunately, in our office, we can't fire all the people who are no good at hypnosis. We can't say, no. oh, yes, you're actually going to be rubbish at this. So can you leave, please? Um, you know, we've got to work with it, whatever presents itself. But this, um, you know, this uh, this lady, she was it was really was the gastric band that had done it. Yeah, um, everything else because you could have dismissed it. You know, she was just like, yes, I feel like I've got it. Um, and I remember her. She sent me a message and said, you know, Christmas is coming. I might eat a bit more. Why don't you tighten the band up? So I'm like, yeah, all right then. Um, so she she came in and we <laughs> tighten it up. Um, and she texted me the next day and said, how tight have you made this? Because I can hardly eat anything at all. Um, so, but you know, the, the type of people are in the minority who, you know, let's just imagine surgery and do nothing else at all. Because that gastric band side of things, I, I view it as we need to put the foundations back of eating back in place. You know, we've almost been bombarded so much by the diet industry that we don't know what we're doing, what's right and what's wrong. And we've stopped doing you know, the basic things, you know, let's take it back to, okay, so if we eat three times a day, if we focus on what our body tells us, you know, and we start building up those layers whilst also looking at all the associations and identities and and everything else that comes into place. But the, you know, yeah, I'm known for gastric band, but most people would think, oh, yeah, it's just about getting to imagine surgery. And it really isn't because that wouldn't bring the results that it's bringing I'm so, I'm so I'm so glad that that's what you've just said because well that's just deleted three or four questions I was going to ask and play devil's advocate on because you've because oh. you've come out with that I can't go oh wow but yeah. what's it? Oh. <laughs> so um but it's I mean that ties in with exactly what I I believe and my, my experience is one thing I'm going to throw in because I'm sure you must have encountered this at some point is there is that sense of identity thing but some people who get are overweight it is literally like the cliche of it. it's like they're putting on layers of protection mm-hmm. uh, there the, the, the could be underlying abuse issues from childhood yeah yeah I mean with 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 everything isn't it it's like we are we're all doing something in one way, shape or form to soothe our soul. And, you know, it's what are we soothing or what are we covering up or, you know, with, with and that that be for anything, with, be it with eating, smoking, drugs, whatever whatever it is, you know, it, it's finding out, okay, what is that thing that we're, we're covering up all the time? You know, like a, a lady that I saw um yesterday who's recently just started some sessions with me um you know she'd sort of she's she's not you know massively overweight but yeah she she wants to lose a bit but 
But in her mind, she's like, oh, but I don't want to be thin. I don't want to be skinny. So they're almost contradicting themselves in the language that they're using. So it's mm-hmm. almost like I want to lose weight, but I don't want to lose weight. You know, it's because that that that's helping them on some level, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And, and it's finding out what that that le- what that level is. And and again, with the way that I approach like the gastric band stuff, I know other people who are doing similar programs might approach it in a different way. But I started off where actually we're going to start this off with the gastric band stuff. I'm going to give you some guidelines to follow. Um, we're just going to put some foundations in place. And then I'll start to work on the fallout from that afterwards. What comes up afterwards? And the reason I do it that way is because I don't want to immediately make this into, you know, a digging session um, because... The person's come to you thinking, you know, you've got a magic wand. I want you to wave your magic wand on the mm-hmm. first session and make me feel better. Yeah. And so I want to wave a magic wand on the first session, you know, because and if I do that and they bought into a program, they're going to, you know, by charging people in advance, they're going to come for all the sessions. That's going to give me the opportunity so that they actually have the therapy that they need as opposed because, to. Yeah, they really. Yeah, they got what they expected. They got what they expected. And and the other thing about, you know, if I said to somebody, well, you know, you can pay weekly as you come along and they haven't got a magic wand in the first session or there's been a session where they thought, oh, I don't know if I wanted to uncover that, then they might not come for the rest of the sessions because yeah. they haven't paid. But then they're not getting the therapy that they need either. Mm-hmm. so you know i mean the one thing sort of with you know like gastric band as well you know it's a great marketing tool because it a lot of the time we're bringing into our office people who are highly suggestible yeah so they can already imagine that i can already imagine gastric band let me present myself at your office yeah you know so it is bringing those people in but it's bringing them in and it's not under pretense because we are going to do that but it's, you know, it's then an opportunity for actually for, to do, for us to do the proper work. Yeah, excellent. How many, on, 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 on average, sort of, and there's always exceptions to the rule, I know, but on average, how many sort of sessions do you normally do when they've booked for gastric band? So I always book a, um, a, a four-session programme. So, so I want four sessions with somebody. Okay. Now, you know, occasionally that may end up being more. You know, like you say, if there's some, you know, if you use type of things gone on or, you know, then we may need more sessions. But on, on average, it's four sessions to get the foundations in and get those habits going routinely. You know, because I'm looking for somebody at the end of the sessions to say, yeah, I'm doing all these things automatically without even thinking about it. Just mm-hmm. like what I was doing before without thinking about it. You know, somebody's still saying to me, yeah, I'm, I'm doing these things, but I'm still having to make real effort to do it. Well, that's not become a routine then, has it? Yeah. We've got more work to do. Um, so and generally that can happen. Well, to be fair, it can happen in two sessions. You know, sometimes people are making those noises after two sessions. Um, but it's it's how many layers there are of the onion, doesn't it? If, mm-hmm. if you know, if, if there's not that many layers, then we can probably bring about change faster. Would you still, if it appeared that it was sorted in two sessions, would you still see them for the fall? Or? No. So what I, the way I work, and again, I know that everybody's, everybody's different, 
But yeah, somebody has paid me for four sessions. So but I'm a big believer in that once we've got the change and somebody's doing what we want them to do and they're doing it without effort and they're happy that we should actually take our foot off the accelerator. Mm-hmm. Because I'd like to say that, you know, I'm an expert and I know exactly what I've said that's brought about the change with somebody. Um, but the reality is, like I fired a machine gun at somebody, you know, with the way the, the suggestions are done, with metaphors, with aversions. I have absolutely <laughs> at somebody. And I'd like to think that I know which bullet went home. Aww. But the reality is I probably don't. So like, that's just... so honest. I love that because I, I, I'm a great believer in that. Yeah. What, what I put together for habits and addictions, it, my, the script I wrote is such that it is like you've just said. It's got every flipping so-called principle and technique yeah. in it. That if there is any value to them, other than the fact it's important, seeming ritualistic, placebo, and they bought into it, mm-hmm. there is some element in them. Then one of them at least has got to bloody help the client, and it yeah. doesn't really matter which it is, does it? As exactly. long as they get the result. Exactly. exactly. And yeah. so, but using that same principle, I think. Well, if I don't know what's made the change, I don't want to be waffling on about something again. And run the risk of undoing it of their subconscious. If that's what we've got, a subconscious. I know there's different views now of what's really happening. But, you know, I don't want their subconscious. Ha-ha. I don't like what you've just said. So I'm yeah. now going to reverse it all. You know, I, I want to think, right, OK, foot off the accelerator. Let's stop there and then. And the, I explain it to a client. I say, so I say, I suggest to a client that we actually defer the other sessions or that we spread them out over a longer period of time. So, OK, we've still got two sessions left here. How about um, that I actually support you over a longer period of time and that I see you again in three weeks or a month or whenever they feel comfortable and we put it in the diary then. I say if in the meantime, if you suddenly think, oh, my goodness, I'm losing the plot, not that that will happen. Um, But, you know, just ring me and I'll see you earlier. Um, but they, a client actually quite likes that because you are supporting them over a longer period. Well, yeah, it sounds like it's a benefit to them. Yeah. 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 And the way I explain it to them in sort of a simple way that they can understand, I just say, you know, somebody came to me and they had a fear of spiders and I fixed the fear. But I went on and on and on and on about spiders. I can probably bring that fear back again. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. So, so while somebody's doing, why don't we stop? You know, so it's about I think it's about um, yeah, knowing what we know, but it's doing what what you think is right and treat other people how you would want to be treated yourself. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so much insight in that. So I've got to ask you because I mean, kind of covered gastric band there and I think you covered that incredibly mm. concisely, but wonderfully. Um, you've consistently um showing yourself to be good at generating media publicity and coverage mm. and that's something that uh can you give us some insight i know you've already told us literally when you started out it was a case of jumping on an opportunity and actually thinking you know what i'll take action and pick up the phone and suggest mm. have you got any more Tips insights in that yeah because people who are watching i'm sure that's something that's a major mental block they will think it can't really be as easy as that can it mm. and it really is in a way it is as easy as that 
Um, I mean, sometimes with media, it's about timing, isn't it? So, you know, you can, you know, send the media a press release and they don't pick it up and you think, oh, well, they're not interested or, you know, you offer to do something and they don't follow up on it. And that's not necessarily because they're not interested. It's just they're not interested right then at that moment because yeah. they've got their own agenda. But I think the thing is with, and I think the, the big thing that holds people back is fear with it. You know, what if the media write that I'm a load of rubbish and I'm a charlatan? Um, what if they write that? Well, you know, why would they? You know, that it's not how, why would that be newsworthy? You know, if, if one of the things that we can all easily do. I is, can answer that, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things we can easily do is in our local area, we can pick up the phone, we can ring, find out who the journalists are, come and test, come and test my programme for free. Now, if that journalist comes and does that, then they are going to write about it. Mm. Um, now, if it doesn't work, say if you did the work and it didn't work, it was the worst client imaginable that just turned up as this journalist and it didn't work. They're not going to write about it because why would that be newsworthy? And what, actually, what would they actually say? Sheila Granger offered me complimentary sessions. She did all this work. I didn't do any of the things that she asked me to do, but um, I took advantage of her all the time and it didn't work. You know, so what? Who's even interested? Yeah. So, you know, the media are only going to discredit us or attempt to discredit us if we do something that's potentially discreditable. So, like, one of the things, like, I often get asked on, like, Q&A calls on um, gastric band type of um, training courses you know could I do gastric band hypnosis with our children and I always say well I would advise against it there's lots of other tools in that toolbox that would help children but uh, you know you don't want to be doing anything that would be termed as unethical you know because you can imagine the media headline hypnotist doing gastric band with children and that potential backlash why would you open yourself up to that you know what would be the point so um you know they're good but you know we've got an in with the media all of the time because hypnosis is something that's a little bit different that's when we play on it being a little bit oh this is a little bit quirky um and so we've already and to get a land a, a newspaper article it has to be seen to be something different so that's number one hypnosis already is something different yeah um the second thing is it's got to be um newsworthy you know so would their readership be interested in it and the other thing a lot of the time it has to have a human angle so we can't do blatant self-promotion you know they don't write about you necessarily just because you're a hypnotist and um you know, obviously with with um, newspapers as well, or magazines, television, we don't see what's written until it appears. So we don't have a jurisdiction over it. And but, you know, I've consistently, like I said, use the media because it's a great platform for, um, you know, sharing what it is that you can do and educating people that there are potentials um, um alternatives to what to get the help that they need um so i've done you know invite the journalists along um, i've done group sessions where i've invited the media to independently verify any results that i've had 
So that's how Gastric Band started off. You know, I asked for 25 volunteers. I'd just heard of a concept of Gastric Mind Band. And I thought, well, a load of rubbish, that would work with somebody. Um, but at the time, 80% of my clients were coming for weight loss and it wasn't working that well. Mm-hmm. So I read an article about Gastric Band and I thought, well, I'll give it a go then. So I asked for 25 volunteers. Nobody paid me any money. Um, uh, right, you know, invited the media along to independently verify the results that I got. You know, the only worrying thing was that the media printed an article to say this trial was taking place. And I thought, oh, shit, you know, what if it don't work? <laughs> you know, well, they're probably not going to write about it then. Um, so I, um, you know, 25 people in a group session, 23 reported positive results. Um, two people cancelled gastric bypass operations on the back of what they experienced. Oh, and, nice in, and immediately following it, it was BBC primetime television, uh, double page spread in the local newspaper, being played as a news item on the hour, every hour on the radio. Now, when you think about uh, media, it's really like free advertising, isn't it? They're providing social proof that what you do works. Mm-hmm. Because people, you know, what they read in the, in the media, they believe, you know, it's programming, isn't it? So um, they, and now at the time when that happened to me, there was only me working for me, me, a mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I really wasn't prepared for what that drops on your doorstep. You know, um, I used to turn on my email and it was like inquiry, 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 inquiry. And like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with all of this? Um, so, you know, like media can really, you know, sort of explode your business big time. And, um, you know, we've all got stories as, as hypnotists where we've either got a human angle where somebody's had some bizarre thing and, you know, we've, we've helped them with hypnosis. And not every client is going to want to put their face in front of the media. And mm. I don't put any pressure on anybody to do that. I will ask them, I'll say, you know, would you be willing to share your story with the media so that more people are aware about it? Now, if you say, oh, no, I don't really fancy that, that's that's not that. End of conversation. End of conversation. But a lot of our clients who we work with, they really they really love us as a person. Mm. If, if you have to do this, you know, and almost that law of reciprocation kicks in, doesn't it? And they think, you know, so if you ask them, they'll probably say yes. I've often found just casually pointing out that were one of the women's magazines to pick up on this, uh, mm-hmm. don't worry, you can have the 250, 300, 350 or 400 quid for the story that they'll pay. Mm-hmm. Quite often motivates them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then, you know, you know, you can write a press release. And I'm quite happy to. I mean, I've got, um, you know, lots of professionally written press releases. Because uh, they do follow a certain format, if you like, in how they're put together. And, um, you know, I've got ones that I've used for every all sorts of areas in my practice, from natural childbirth to charity days to whatever. And if anybody watching this, you know, wants that, you know, those press releases, because all you really need to do is rub out the name Sheila Granger and write their name in it instead. Um, you know, I don't want anything coming back to me. I just, you know, they just yeah. give people ideas. And, and it's more the creativity of it, isn't it? It's you know um then they can just email me and i will i will send them complimentary 
Well, that's amazingly generous. Nice one. Um, where would they find your email address? What's your website address? Yes. So we're not going to say my website address for today because if I'm okay. honest, I've had a complete web disaster this week. <laughs> so I'm having, I'm actually having a new website rebuilt and my old one, um, unfortunately, turned off. <laughs> So this won't be going live for a couple of weeks and then we can put the link underneath the video. Yeah, so yeah, so my website's uh, uh com, and my email is think at sheilagranger.com. Oh, that's nice and easy to remember. Just, yeah, just needs to email me and I will let people have those press releases just to give them some idea of creativity and how to put things together. Well, that is, uh, thank you. I mean, that's an amazingly generous, and it, but it, it, I mean, it is, it sounds, I know some people watching, hang on a minute, she must be barking mad, she's just offered us a template that she successfully to get media, why? Well, I can, I can probably guess that, because the fact is, there is one other element with the media, in my experience, sometimes they might want to run a story, and everything about you as the person who's put that press release in fits, except for some reason, for whatever reason, that journalist has decided they want a male hypnotherapist, not a female one, or vice versa. Mm. It, that, mm. it can often be, it, it, sometimes it's not actually about you why you don't end up with the story. It can just be because they've got some preconceived notion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and again, I think it's like with every aspect of our our practice and what we do is we've just got to keep pushing the pushing the button, you know, pushing the go button again, you know, because I have this uh, like in some of the workshops that I um, I, I do, you know, I, I talk about, um, you know, when you're building a practice, it's like the um, the, the rain man. You know, um, the rain man in the jungle, you know, and he used to um, people used to ask the rain man if he wanted it to rain. And he used to dance and and he would dance until it rained. Um, and it's a bit like that with your practice. You know, if you're not getting the clients or the exposure or whatever, it's because you're not dancing enough. Um, because all I've learned to do, because I don't come from any I say I was a main fraud investigator. I don't come from any business, marketing, um, therapy background. Um, I've just learned that, you know, if you put the graft in and if you dance enough, it will rain. Um, and I, I just dance enough so it rains, you know. Excellent. Now, the thing is, media we've talked about, but I do know that you do not everything's reliant on the media, mm. uh, and neither should it be, because there'll be times when the too busy with so-called real news that they're just not going to cover stuff and I know that you do workshops on practice building and stuff which obviously people can contact you and check out your website and, and whatnot what are the sort of main or the main ways these could I mean back in the day when I say back in the day I'm, I'm going back like oh, I feel old, 30 years ago um the mainstay for therapists was an ad in the yellow pages now that's just throwing money down the drain yeah yeah so what are the main non-media ways that you kind of would advise people to be looking into so i'm um although i do stuff you know internationally as you know you know my main thing is about hypnosis in the community because although we can 
get online clients these days. And yeah, I mean, I do a lot of work on Zoom. Um, to my mind, where I can make the biggest difference is locally, is in my local community. And that's probably, you know, when I was building a business up or a practice, that's where the majority of my clients were going to come from, my local community, you know, three streets down. Um, so we've almost got to become a known in our local community. You know, how do we put ourselves out there so we can be found? And, you know, if we were to put a dot on the map where my practice is, you know, how many people within a 50 mile radius know about you and what you do? Mm. And probably not very many. You know, we, if we're on, you know, we're on social media, so we all think, oh, yeah, we can see what the people are doing. Most people don't even see our marketing message. You know, because they're too busy doing their own thing. Or yeah. so how do, so how do we make that face to face connection and people more than any other profession buy into you as a person? And that's when they decide it's you they want to see. And it doesn't matter if you cost more than the hypnotist down the road. You know, it's you that they want to see because it's you that they bought into. Mm-hmm. So we've got to become visible, haven't we? We've got to be visible. We've got to be credible. And and I've done that by infiltrating my local community. And by, again, putting the grafting. So I do business networking. Um, you know, business networking has been one of the number one things that's that's helped grow my business. So I'd, you know, turn up at a business networking group every Thursday morning, seven o'clock in the morning. I did B&I, if those of you have heard B&I. You know, it sounds like horrendous to most people. Um, but um, well, and getting I, up at seven o'clock in the morning bit does. I'm not so bothered about the networking. But... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, 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 it's horrendous. I used to, and I, I hated it the night before. It might have been on Thursday morning, seven o'clock. I hated it on a Wednesday night, the thought of getting up. I hated it on the Thursday morning when the alarm went off. Um, but once I actually got there, it was really, um, you know, it, it really did a lot of good from a lot of angles, from the point of view of my personal development, from learning to do public speaking, to having the confidence to spread my message, but also getting connected to people that you want to speak to. So, you know, it's a, a great way of getting um, personal introductions to people. So I'll give you an example. I thought one day, why don't I do a fear of flying seminar at an airport? Why don't I do that? Um, so, so, um, so I thought, well, I need it seems to, talk. to be something of a habit for you, just having yeah. a random. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I thought, why don't I do that? So, I'll, um, so I thought, how do I get to talk to the person at the airport? Because, of course, if we pick the phone up and say, yes, I'm hypnotist, could I talk to the person who could organise a fear of flying seminar? They'd be like, yeah, not interested, bye. You know, we're not going to get us through the gatekeeper. So networking can be a great way of getting through the gatekeeper. And and so I'd stand up and say something like, um, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Sheila Granger. I'm a professional clinical hypnotherapist. And, you know, what makes me professional compared to the next person? Absolutely nothing. But it sounds different, doesn't it? You know, oh, yeah, I'm not any old hypnotist. I'm a professional one. Yeah. So good morning, everybody. You know, I'm Sheila Grange. I'm a professional clinical hypnotherapist. And this week I'm looking for your help to a personal introduction to Mr. Joe Smith. Mr. Joe Smith is a commercial director at Humberside Airport. The reason I'd like to speak to him is that 25% of people do not fly because of fear. I'd like to help Mr. Joe Smith increase his passenger numbers whilst doing something very positive in the local community. So actually the Granger looking to speak to Mr. Joseph. Mm-hmm. So I've given a reason why he would want to talk to me. What's yeah. in it for him? Yeah. You know, I'm not selling hypnosis here. I'm selling, well, I might be able to increase his passenger numbers. 
Yeah. Um, and so he then took a photo, you know, somebody in the room knew him, or some use of it, and they made the call and said, would you take a call from this lady? I know her. And, you know, you've got your first in. Then it's down to me what I'm going to do on that phone call. Mm-hmm. But so, you know, you can get to, um, but of course, you're always asking for, you've got a different pitch to give every week. And my networking group had perhaps 30 people in it, 30 different businesses. So no one of the same, all who work with people all day. You know, so in effect, what I'm doing is standing up and instructing my sales team to look for work for me. That's an interesting way of looking at it. Because I know a lot of people are off from going to these networking meetings. All right, partly because we'll get up so early, but we'll push that one out of the way. Um, Partly because they're like, oh, we've got to stand up at some point and perhaps the imposter syndrome. Well, the chances are there's not going to be another hypnotherapist in the room. Highly unlikely. Mm. Um, But that, yeah. I like that. You're just instructing your sales team. That's an interesting way of looking at it. So all I've got all of a sudden I've got thirty people looking for work for me instead of just me. Excellent. So so you know there's the the media, the business networking, and then the third thing has to be public speaking. You know, it's giving presentations. And um and there's and there's so many, you know, not even thinking about the traditional sort of women's institute type of approach, but even if you think about sports teams. You know, how many little kids sports teams are there? And, um, you know, because I always find even if I didn't want work, I didn't want work for sports. But I go and give um, a presentation to a sports team and I'd always come away with work. Can you help me with my sleep? Could you help me do this? Could you? And, and I'd send out letters to sports teams and the letter would go a little bit like this. Um, I put, I'm a local uh, professional clinical hypnotherapist and I run a very busy full time practice. But once a month, I like to put something back into the local community. With this in mind, this month, I'd like to offer your sports team one hour of free psychological skills training. This has been shown to increase confidence, get rid of negative self-talk, help people form at the best and it matters most. This would be of interest to your team. Please contact me and this number will be arranged. And then I've got an hour and teach them some, I think with anything, whether we're teaching self-hypnosis or, you know, we want to give value on that presentation Mm -hmm. because the people remember you. Um, But I always find doing things like that, you know, one thing, just giving something back. And if you study any successful business, they all give back. And I look for areas in my community where it's already topical news. And how can I make any difference to that? So last year, last year, homelessness in my area was a big issue. It had a lot of bad press all the time. And in my networking group, there was a lady who um, uh, was involved with a charity that worked with the homeless. And just out of a conversation with her, she was saying, well, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, keeps people getting getting back into society is confidence. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I can't change anything to do with homelessness, but I can do stuff about confidence. So I put on a VIP day for the homeless. Um, we um, I, I got the use of a hotel room for free because I was, you know, it's like a community give back. I got a celebrity hairdresser to come and do makeovers for them, haircuts. I got a clothing company who would give them new outfits. I got a, a recruitment company who would help them write CVs. I did a big thing on um, confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, 
at the end of the day, we went out with a plea to businesses just to give them some work experience, not to give them a job because that was too mm-hmm. a step too far, just yeah. to give some work experience. And we got businesses then coming forward saying, yeah, we'll do that. Um, but as a result of that, which, of course, isn't normally my target audience, but as a result of doing that and talk about media, BBC News come along to it to, to film it. So there's always, I always think, you know, if we give back the universe, somehow has a way of of paying us back somehow. Um, but there are just so many different avenues where we can make a difference, potentially with hypnosis. That it's just, I've just learned to, I suppose, keep my ear out for it. You know, it's listening in the right way, isn't it? Having listened to your answers so far, something's occurred to me, and you may have already done this, but if you haven't, do it. Um, I know you do your workshops on marketing and stuff, so you no doubt have notes and stuff that you give people, but you you know, you're given a couple of examples of how to phrase letters to get through the door or phrase press releases. A book with press release examples and letter examples that you've done before Mm-hmm. I think would be a remarkably good tool that would sell well to therapists. Yeah. You, yeah. The examples you've just given, I think mm. your phraseology is perfect. Yeah, it's like a, that's what it is, isn't it? It's like how do I put that together to make it, you know, sort of tick the boxes, you know. Um, and because if we do that, then, you know, because I always say, you know, we're not, it's not about selling hypnosis because people are buying hypnosis. You know, if I go and work with a, a business or a sales team, I'm not selling hypnosis to them. Or if I go and, you know, I, you know, the classic example is like I, I've done a lot of work in schools and colleges with kids predominantly around exam stress time. Um, but I found that once you have your foot in the door with the school or the college, they ask you for the next thing and the next thing. And oh, can you do this? And can you do that? And can you do that? You know, so it starts off with exam stress, but it ends up in multiple areas. Um, but like if I approached the school and said, um, can I hypnotise the kids? They're like, absolutely well, not. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely not. Um, but if I said, you know, could I use some um, relaxation and my management techniques to help them perform at the best? Oh, yeah, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm, but by the same token, you know, I'm not I don't shy away from the fact that I am a hypnotist. That is what I do, because on my business card, it simply has my photograph and it mm-hmm. says Sheila Granger, professional clinical hypnotherapist. Nothing else on there at all. Um, but it's just how we, um, I can say how we're phrasing things, isn't it, that gets our foot in the door. Yeah, making it acceptable to them and desirable. Yes, yes, yes. You're still going in there and hypnotising them, aren't you? It's, you're just, you're well, calling it mind management. Exactly. Yeah. I always remember the first school, and it was when I didn't realise at this time that the school was a potential thing that could run as um, a business, that it was something that people, that schools would pay for. Um, And again, it was part of this a bit like community give back. So I approached this one school and used that phrase and went in to do the first session and uh, they were all in a group in this class. And the headmaster said to me, you know, can I can I sit in on your session? And I'm like, well, I guess so, because it's your school. Um, guess I have to say yes and I always find that when you don't want any head drop going on 
that it happens you know so there was a couple they're all sat in like a, a u-shape um, you know doing this hypnotic induction and um two at the back suddenly went Boof. and i'm like oh that was very uh, not great timing but the headmaster looked at me as i said uh, i thought you weren't doing any hypnosis i'm like they're just relaxed they're just relaxed <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> So, um, but what's interesting, and then it wasn't until the year later that that school rang me back and said, oh, you came in last year and you did this stuff with the kids and it was really beneficial. How much would you charge to come and do it again this year? That oh. I realised that actually this was something that was wanted and needed by schools. Yeah. Nice. Um, so, um, so that's ended up being another avenue, if you like, that I'm in quite a lot is is schools and colleges and again a lot of the time it's getting our foot in the door it's all about our marketing isn't it and how we get our foot in the door so yeah. at one point I was doing assemblies so I'll come the to your school, school school assemblies school assembly okay. yeah I'll, I'll come into the school and basically give a presentation lecture whatever you want to call it on um you know um exam performance mm-hmm so, you know, positive mental attitude, whatever, you know, you want to want to do. But what I found by doing that was that um, because they all, you know, they like motivational kind of speaking stuff anyway, don't they? Um, if it's a school local, what is it? I'm going to give half an hour of my time somewhere. It's hardly going to be a big deal. But by that, the, skin, the school are buying you as a person. And then you get the opportunity to talk about something else that you can do. So sometimes I think it's about giving a bit of our time for free in an area that we know we can make a little bit of a difference to and then find then it's what's next, what comes after it. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, what I found with, the, with doing the assemblies, which became more of a thing to do with them, is even when I was booked to deliver proper sessions in the school, I would the assembly would still be done because the students would self-identify themselves having a problem. So the students would listen to what I had to say. They would then go to the teachers afterwards and say, I like what that lady had to say. Can I take part in her group sessions? Because I've been feeling a little bit like that. And the school knew nothing that they were feeling like that. And I think schools and colleges is a good um, a good place for us to be as um, hypnotherapists because, you know, you know, mental health is all... Um, you know, big businesses in it and big news all the time. But also, you know, what if if we do something about if we can do something about the lower level and what I would class as lower level anxieties, then hopefully we might prevent them escalating. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. You know, and it's like um so rather than be teenagers with ending up going to the CAMS teams and, and everything else or being on long waiting lists thinking I have a problem so I'm special and I keep hold of the problem and the problem gets worse, you know, why don't we do, what if we can do something on the, you know, on the lower level stuff that stops it escalating in the first place. Excellent. Great. Oh, bloody hell, time's running away. We're nearly at the hour, so I'm going to have to kind of move this towards the question I ask. There's so much valuable content. You are amazingly generous in sharing your knowledge and i cannot encourage people enough that watch this again with a pen and paper in hand 
<laughs> take notes, number one. Number two, then write down the email address and contact Sheila because what she offered, that's an amazing resource. And obviously check out a website and see when there's courses taking place, not just in your location, but also in your country because you do regularly appear at hypnotherapy conferences around the world. So the, not I know if you're in Australia, you're thinking it's a bit far to come. But, you know, the chances are at some point in the future, Sheila will be at a conference over there. So keep an eye out. Thank you, Sheila. Before we go, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody at the end of these interviews. And that is, if your door was to be knocked on right now and you answered the door and there was somebody stood there and they perhaps, because this is a hip, you know, your area is hypnotherapy. So we'll say randomly they've got Dave Almond's green covered or blue covered, depending on which edition, book hypnotherapy in their hands. I've just read this and I'm thinking I'd like to become a hypnotherapist. What would your top three bits of advice to steer them on the right course to success be? Um, I was talking about somebody who's already qualified or they just want to come into the profession. No, they, 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 all they've read, all they've done is they've got a copy of Dave Almond's book, for example. That's it. They've just finished reading that and decided, I reckon I need to find out more about this. I'd, I'd like to do it as a career. So, it's a career. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, if somebody's looking at going into it in as a, as a career, I don't think it's necessary. Well, it is. Everybody goes into it at different levels, don't they? So some people might think, yeah, I only want to go on a short course, or and then I'll start to build on that, and then I might go on a longer course, and you know, um, or I might get more qualifications in that. But it's like with anything, isn't it? It's like we've got to press start somewhere, and often with this journey, we don't know where we're going to end up. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we don't come into this journey of learning hypnosis knowing exactly what we're going to do with it or where that's, that path's going to lead us to. Um, but I would say, you know, and, and it's about, you know, not just necessarily reading the Dave Elman stuff, but taking lots of different people's views and theories and, um, you know, because all trainers really are going to share their experiences. And some of their experiences will resonate with you and some of them won't. But also not be sort of put the blinkers on to, oh, well, you know, I've heard that that person, you know, they've got a bit of a reputation of, of, you know, being an ego. So I'm not even going to look at their stuff because, you know, we we put the blinkers up, don't we? And if we as soon as we put the blinkers up, we stop learning because I, I kind of know from conferences um, places that I go that often you know um, they'll just be like one little golden nugget that'll actually change how we think about everything yeah, or yeah. You, you learn that one golden nugget that you think I'm going to give that a go and it actually makes a massive difference so it's about being open isn't it and you know um, you know learning from as many people as you possibly can and then going away and doing the do you know we can't learn by we can't be good at it by reading books no we can't be good at it by watching online videos we get good by you know a bit like i've done just thinking well what the heck let's just go and see what happens then um and and not being too too of course of course you you are worried a little bit about the outcome because if we didn't care then we we shouldn't be in this profession should we um so of course you care but it's about leaving you putting your ego to one side and thinking well okay maybe i can make a difference to this because the worst thing that we're going to do really with hypnosis is nothing 
you know, that hopefully the worst, I'm, I'm not going to make anybody any worse. Hopefully I'm only ever going to make them better. And so, you know, um, the more you read into it, the, the, the more um, you can put those practices into your own life as well. Thank you so much for your time. It has been an absolute pleasure, Sheila. Um, just remind everyone of your website addresses again. Yes, the website is uh, SheilaGranger.com and uh, my email is think, as in thinking, at SheilaGranger.com. And yeah, I'm, and, and I always try to, as much as possible, you know, sort of uh, support other hypnotherapists because we all come across, especially when we're starting up, we all come across those clients where we think, oh, I'm not quite sure what to do with this person. Or now I'm, I'm, I don't think any of us are the font of all, of all knowledge, and I'm certainly not the font of all knowledge. But I have worked with a lot of people, so there's probably not something that somebody's going to come across that they haven't, that I haven't already faced myself at some point. And you know, I'm always happy to, you know, give some email advice or have a Zoom with somebody, and you know, just, um, you know, share a bit of support really. So um, I'm always glad to hear from any other therapist at all. But thank you for this opportunity. It's been great. And as I say to everyone, get a pad and pen, watch these again, take notes, because there's so much content. And go on Amazon and seek out Virtual Gastric Band Workbook and No More Diets. Um, full of tips and stuff if you want to be doing stuff of that nature in the industry. Thank you again. Uh, thank you, viewers at home. Please join me next Sunday when another edition of Hypnosis Week will go online. Bye for now.